Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows, and we can't live without them. But we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast where there are really two— no actually three levels of understanding. And none of those levels involves apologizing for being an asshole to people on TV at any point. It's just really important to explore and understand all of the levels of each situation. And hopefully to take long enough understanding them that the apology part simply never arrives. Right, at which point we change the subject. So we're here to discuss The Bachelorette Mentel All for Michelle's season of The Bachelorette with the author, Defector Media co-owner, and co-host of the new podcast, Normal Gossip, Kelsey McKinney. Kelsey, thank you for joining us. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here. We are excited, and we are excited to really dive in to the Mentel All special, which I will say, oddly, in some ways, was less hard to watch than seasons before it, if you can believe. It was, it was more restful, there, yeah. there were more there were more simply scenes involving dairy ambassadors overseeing people's butter sculptures and less Look, men yelling were, at each yeah, other. Yeah, just fewer cacophonies of violent male rage layered on top of each other. And for that I'm grateful. It was very peaceful. I'm gonna start watching it to fall asleep every night. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so and I I should say up top. If I sound a little croaky, I apologize. I have a cold. Um, and Apparently, okay. you can still get illnesses that aren't COVID. Especially if you have a child in daycare. Like, basically, it's all we rude. do is get illnesses. Um, so let's, let's dive right in. Straight at the top, Tasha and Caitlin garbed in some very autumnal, like, very, I'm going to say, like, 70s orange and olive green mini dresses. Welcome us, or I should say, 
Caitlin says, to those of you who just watched A Very Boy Band Holiday, welcome to the men tell all. So as someone who did not just watch A Very Boy Band Holiday, I guess I'm not wanted here. Yeah, we are not welcome. (laughs) I also don't know what that is. I have some more (laughs) research to do. We're back in several different decades right now. I didn't realize that we had enough boy bands these days to have a very boy band holiday. Apparently, it is an ABC special um, with NSYNC, New Edition, New Kids on the Block, Boys to Men. Wow. Yes. Everything all truly is new again. The 90s are back. Uh, So here we go. Caitlin says... Clayton is a little busy dating 30 women and trying to find his wife. Caitlin takes a very, like, I'm actually a stand-up comic approach to this this hosting job. And she's like, he's a little busy try- dating 30 women and trying to find his wife. But she does promise us an exclusive sneak peek of his season. And now it's time to get to the men. And here to revisit this season are... Martin, Chris S., Romeo, Ryan, Casey, Daniel, PJ, Spencer, Pardeep, Olu, Will, Rick, Peter, and Rodney. I'm just so happy that my boy Olu took another fashion risk. He went bold. He always goes bold. And I love that for him and for us. Yeah. He was like, I'm not listening to what Claire said about my striped striped suit on that podcast. I think it's beautiful. (laughs) That I think that right here we see one reason why this show is a little bit less shouty. They've been having fewer men back during COVID. They've been having fewer people back for, for the tell-all specials. So, like, this is, like, a fraction of all the guys who are on the season. Right. And we used to have, like, 20 seats filled. Um, it's also, that means it's fewer men who got sent home week one and are trying desperately to do a paradise audition it also felt like they all were relevant there were only like two of them whose names i didn't know when it first panned and even them i had like nicknames for that i just (laughs) use since i never learned their names yeah they seemed to be strategic in who they were inviting back yeah, I would say the one person who at one point I was like, I feel like he's having his Bachelor in Paradise audition right now was Pardeep. Pardeep, yeah. Go back to just oh having a podcast. You don't need to go on Bachelor in Paradise, man. I know. I, I That was, we'll get to that moment. Yeah, we'll but I was like, oh, okay, buddy. <laughs> so we start looking back at some of the drama with some highlight clips. Uh, I think we all remember Will versus Peter. Um, we remember Ryan and the Bachelorette Binder. Uh, we remember Martin calling Michelle immature. It's clear that Olu is a big fan favorite. He got huge applause during the introductions. He also gets applause for the replay of him calling out Martin at this point. Everyone is like, how can you not be a fan of Olu? Yeah. Also, all of the men seem to love him. Yeah. He's, he's very popular except with Chris, but, um, at the nature of this crowd to me, Perhaps, I don't think it's that much smaller than it used to be, but it did feel a little more intimate than some of the past seasons. Like, I really felt like you could hear individual boos, like individual people being like, come on. I also felt like it was so so obvious how much the audience is coached and told their cues. Like, and, and I think maybe the slightly smaller crowd or more intimate setting made that feel more hit you over your head than it has in the past or maybe there was just more space to think about it because there were fewer men screaming 
It felt to me like the guys at this tell-all are... I don't know if this is true or not, but it felt like they were friends outside of the show now. Like there was a level of intimacy in the way that they talked to each other. I think they are. That has not been true in the past. And when they would fight, it was like clear who was on which whose team. Nobody was asking like, do you agree with me? Right? Which is usually how (laughs) these go. It's like, whose team are you on? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like they all seem to understand where the battle lines were drawn pretty well. Um, And maybe that's also a function of there being fewer of them there. They're more like power players. Uh, We get a moment of flashback to Chris S. And how, you know, his scandal was that he said that some of the guys thought thought they had it in the bag. At this point, they show a clip that I swear to God was not in the season. I would have remembered it. It is of Chris S. saying that some guys with a small IQ like Olu can't let things go. That was not in the season. And then I guess they were just like, well, we want to make sure to have some more something else like juicy to talk about. So we'll just throw it into this clip rehash. I couldn't remember if that was in the season, but there was also there were other clips that weren't in the season. Like there was there were a few clips that actually showed Clayton having some amount of a personality. And I was like, where was this during the season? Like. I was like, oh, Clayton had conflict with someone? Like, right. I, I literally have no memory of There's this. There's a moment where Clayton's saying, like, who are you to call me into question? I was like, I don't recall anyone ever calling him into question. Like, what's... Nor what's him pushing back on that. Right. It did feel like I... <laughs> this season was so funny to me because Michelle just, like, did not take anyone's shit at all. So the minute there was a problem, she was sending them home. They were so just gone. This, this guy tells tell all was so funny because it was like, oh, you guys never even, like, dealt with this conflict because Michelle was like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> like, see you never. <laughs> That's so true. And, like, I also think that they're doing, they're doing some, like, airing of stuff that was never able to get on the show. And also they're calibrating Clayton's edit now specifically because they tried to give him a really nice edit and then they were like oh people now are like he's boring let's let's throw in some clips of him like being feisty doing literally anything it's very weird (laughs) um but so we decide uh Caitlin and Tasha start us off with litigating relitigating Will and Peter and This is where it gets the most shouty. Shouty. Uh, So we start with a bang. Caitlin begins by asking Will if he meant it when he said that Peter was a narcissist or if it was a joke. And I think the obvious answer is both. Um, But Will's like, no, I meant it. Like, I'm dead serious about this. It was not a joke. He is a narcissist. He's like, I, as a therapist, um, have diagnosed him. As a clinical narcissist, it's a very serious <laughs> diagnosis. I love it. It doesn't she, necessarily mean you're a bad person. She tried to give him an out. Like, she tried to let him at least I say, know. like, well, I overblew it for attention or something. And he just, he just doubled down. He was like, absolutely not. Like, this man's a narcissist. I agree. This guy threw... Well, see, the thing is, Peter... Will has no... Will has no motivation to be the bigger man here because the crowd is on his side. Like the audience is on his side. Peter didn't come off well. So what? Also, he's obviously, come out and, all like, of the other men apologizing do not like Peter. Yeah, the other men don't like Peter. <laughs> like he's not going to come out and be like, "Oh, I was just kidding." Like, sorry, Peter. Like, come on. Like that's not going to happen. And he's come with some 
some lines that he clearly wants to get off. For example, every time Peter opened his mouth, it was to talk about his pizzeria and he's on the wrong show. Like this is a show about finding love. If you wanted to go on a show about promoting your business, you should have gone on shark tank. Boom. (sighs) Sharp. Yeah. So he wrote that down on a little note card for himself. Oh, a hundred percent. He came with like a whole notebook filled with notes. Um, like Ryan, except more savvy. You're allowed to bring a notebook to Men Tell All. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone was so against Peter. I also just imagine that, like, these are repurposed jokes from their group text, right? Like, something about he <laughs> should have so gone true. on Shark Tank to me is, like, something you text <laughs> a bunch of people on your team and then are like, oh, wait, this is a great joke. <laughs> Yeah, and then everyone's like, tweet it. And you're like, no, actually, I'm going to save it for the televised <laughs> special where we hash this shit out on primetime. That's, that's so, so on point. So Caitlin then asked Peter about the jacket. And he's like, wait, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how we were all getting along just great, not taking shots at each other. And then out of nowhere, Will decides to call me a narcissist. And I was confused and perplexed on why he'd call me a narcissist when this man knows nothing about me whatsoever. And then he's both confused and perplexed. perplexed. These are very distinct things. He was befuddled. (laughs) And he says that Will didn't address it during the rest of the date and that it affected him tremendously. He was in immense psychological pain over this while we were all just laughing and going about our lives. And thus no he was basically forced to throw the jacket in the pool. Yeah, that's why that's, he had- It's called uh, just processing trauma, Claire. The, yeah. the pivot there is what's incredible, though. She's like, oh, what about this jacket that you, like, childishly threw in the pool? And he's like, what about my feelings, which are hurt? Yeah, he's like, what about my personal pain that occurred several hours before the jacket incident. Um, These men are constantly we're not talking just like, enough about that. They're constantly just like, let's talk about context, by which I mean, let's definitely not talk about the thing that I did that I have to take ownership of. Let's talk about something else that happened several days earlier that isn't directly connected. Masterful but in which deflecting. I look like a victim. And it works because there is, you know, we need more eagle-eyed journalists, frankly, (laughs) moderating these debates and asking follow-up questions because the thread really gets lost a whole bunch of times. I love so much about Caitlin and Tasha as hosts, but I I do very much think that they struggle to to follow up on some of these things. At least they asked, though. Chris used to never ask, like, a pointed question, right, like that. Oh, they're much better than Chris, <laughs> to be clear. We're, yeah, I've erased Chris. He's from, dead to us, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris would just be like, so, like, do you guys feel like you're over the conflict that you had? Anyway, <laughs> commercial break. Um, so, <laughs> at this point, Daniel interrupts and is like, you're lying, Peter. I'm sorry. You're lying. And Peter says, you weren't there. And Daniel's like, I was on the group date. And we never find out what he thinks Peter's lying about or whether that's the case because then Casey takes the stage and I think we have a clip of what Casey has to say. What people don't realize because you only only see a snippet of Peter is that he's awful all day long. He walks into the room. He walks into the room. 
with catchphrases like no and you you literally can't Say even again, hear yourself baby. think. Say it's it like again. there's 30 guys, but only one person can't shut the f up. It's not Peter or pizza, it's never coming out of that mouth. Casey was on fire. <laughs> I did not know this man's name. He was one of the ones who I <laughs> called ski instructor in my brain because something about his face just makes him look like a ski instructor to me. And yes. I this is a real problem I have with the show is I never learn anyone's names until like the final six. But so I wrote in my notes, I was like, I don't know who this is. Like ski instructor question mark. And then he just like stole this whole tell all for me. I was like, you had so many zingers. You were so funny. He enunciates so well. I think Casey also stayed on the show for a while because of this. Like, I never saw a connection between yeah. him and Michelle, but he did hang around for a while. And I think it's because he's a good commentator. And I just, like, was, first of all, very frustrated because I was like, I want to know what Peter is lying about specifically. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really seem like he's lying about the fact that he was very upset about this all day. So I'm not sure what you mean. Like, let's elaborate. And then instead, now we're talking about this. But... I loved it because something I think we rarely see on men tell all and especially not on women tell all is someone just being like, yeah, I did. I hate this person. They fucking suck. They're a drag. Like they're a bad hang. I didn't like being around them. Like that's never, it's always like you were here for the wrong reasons. And it just made it very difficult for me because I knew that you are wasting Jennifer's time. And Jennifer. that was really hard. And instead he's just like, yeah, he fucking sucks, man. <laughs> it's so relatable. It's, it's so, so relatable. It's like so there are honest. people that that you just like. You're like, I don't want to fucking be stuck in a room with this person. <laughs> and then imagine being stuck in a room for like weeks straight with the most annoying person that you like peripherally hang out with. Like, I mean, that does sound like torture, and it, it sheds a lot of light on everyone's just like deep hatred for Peter. There's also, I feel like, a tendency in this show for the guy on both of the shows, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, where instead of saying, I just fucking hate this guy, they say, what does it mean about me that The Bachelorette could keep this guy around? Oh, yeah. And then yes. it creates this, like, triangle of drama where they're like, it, well, she likes him. I don't know, like, what's wrong with her? And it's like, no, he just sucks. So it's like, I I think yeah, you're right, like, Emma. It's nice that somebody was just like, no, I hate Peter. <laughs> it's him. And then, it, yeah, it becomes this whole thing where it's like they then project, yeah, like they project it onto the lead and then they're like, I'm questioning our connection out. And it's like, the lead needs to keep on some people that suck for television. Like, this is a television right, you're show. On a now TV you're like, show. Now you're like going to some poor woman and being like, the fact that you haven't eliminated this man on your television show yet makes me think you're a bad person. And like, it's, don't even go there. Um, I think we just need more men in their mid-30s and more men who have the ability, like Casey does, to project over a crowd. Yeah, he's like, used he has to the ability to silence everyone. On the mountain. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to know how they're, how well they're doing the pizza wedge. Um, yeah, he's he's actually really fun to watch on this episode, and I just loved this moment. And then Peter, <laughs> Peter's like, "Yeah, I am a pizza boy, and I was able to provide for my mom and my sister with pizza." And Will says, "Well, let's talk about your sister." 
Tell her to stay out of my DMs. I don't know why she slid in, but she slid in like it was home plate. <laughs> like, this was so whack. This is some, the moment I would describe as tacky. Like, things are getting a little tacky. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is Mor- Maury Povich territory. Yeah, it really was like Maury Jerry Springer territory where I felt like the sister was going to be like called out right now and everyone's going to be like, yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, it was very, I was having flashbacks to like coming home from school yeah. and turning on the TV and not having cable. And it was just like only shows where the tenor was that. Very daytime TV. Yeah, and very fact, daytime TV. It is sort of like a, a are you the father type episode, except the question is, is your pizza good? And there is a running thread throughout the show. of Like, when will there be the reveal about whether Peter's pizza is good or not? And exhibits being introduced. And I think the first thing that actually happens is that they start talking about some bad reviews that Peter's pizzeria has gotten since the show. Um, that, uh, may apparently Will had, you know, been been tagging Peter's pizzeria on social media, allegedly. allegedly. And, you know, perhaps inciting a handful of these negative show specific reviews to yeah, show up it was a little uh, on the pizzeria's yell. Peter was like, Will keeps like bad mouthing me and my and my pizzeria and tagging it and bad reviews have c- come up. And I don't know if there's a correlation, but that bad reviews are coming from his name. I was like, what do you mean? Like I don't like understand the mechanics of how you've connected these there, to Will. There's like, only one man named Will in the whole world. Didn't you guys know? So right. clearly, if it says <laughs> it Will, would be it weird if he him. got a bunch of bad reviews <laughs> that were all from someone named Will, but I don't even think that's what he means. Like I it sounds more like he's saying like that they were from re- referrals from his page, but like page. does he know that or does he just assume he's making it sound like he's getting a lot of reviews that are just like Reginald via via will (laughs) and i just don't know if that's how these things work but he's like i don't know if it's you i don't know if you're if it's your friends and i'm like peter you are a villain on like a nationally viewed reality show it could be coming from any number of people who hate you now um but tasha and caitlin do the work they do some digging they pull up some actual bad reviews that peter's restaurant has received and i want to say when the show started airing we actually checked it was quite well reviewed like his ratings on yelp and google were solid yeah the pizza is we were surprised we were like how could such an awful man child be responsible for good pizza but um but apparently so here's one review they pull up pizza was late and overcooked i actually disputed the charge with my bank because it was bad because it was so bad which i don't think is something you can do Also, the owner is a cowardly child. (laughs) So some tells here that maybe this isn't purely about the pizza. Peter's like, I've always had five-star reviews and prioritized customer service, and these correlate with the dates that Will posted about my my pizzeria. And he's like, you think this is funny, but you're fucking with my livelihood and, like, how I provide for my mom and my sister. And Will's like, well, you just have to change your personality then. Both of them coming Sharp off really comeback. well at this yeah. point. Really admirable. It's incredible how um, this conflict, like, they both are more annoying after it. I'm <laughs> like, there were no winners here. 
Here's another. Pizza sucks. Worst I've ever had. Peter has a horrible attitude. I wouldn't wish for my worst enemy to eat this disgusting pizza. I just love the idea that, like, if someone's a bad person, they can't make good pizza. Like, that's objectively insane. That's how it works. The whole whole existence of Chick-fil-A puts the lie to this. Like, we know (laughs) that bad people can make good food. I mean, I always need a personal review of the personality of the chef of every restaurant that I go to. I'm like, does anyone dislike this person? Because I'm walking out right now. <laughs> Amazon Glassdoor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This no, is- imagine if like every time you walked into a restaurant and someone was standing at the door being like, this person really fucking annoyed me the other day. And you're like, well, in that case, like, I won't be eating here tonight. Well, but you know, that's not, if someone is is a bad person, their food is bad. And that's how you know. So we don't need, like, labor (laughs) reporting in the restaurant industry because that's what Yelp is for. We look and we're like, the reviews are good. So that means that they're a good person and vice versa. So it it actually is a time saver. Um, Yeah, all of the Me Too claims in the restaurant world Definitely confirm this thesis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of it's them just, made good food. It's like the next iteration of the influencer conversation we've been having, which is like if people talk shit about you on the show and kind of like frame you as a villain and you become a villain and it affects your business, like the business of having a high follower count, you know, we've sort of taken that as like that's on you because your job as an influencer is to be widely liked. And if you can't pull that off, then like that's kind of in the job description. I'm sorry. Um, But when it escalates to this level where people are organizing harassment campaigns against your business, which is outside of the influencing world, that's just making pizza and you have a lot of employees who make that pizza, it does start to look different to me. Yeah. No, I actually did kind of feel bad for him in that sense where it's like that is actually his livelihood and, and whether or not he went on the show the <laughs> right he, right there is lo- are a lot of people involved in this business obviously other than him like there is more than one pizza shop i believe yeah. that he owns right like this is not even just one restaurant and like um, does any of us believe will is personally like on sunday mornings like making a big bubbling pot of pizza sauce for the week and like Rolling out the Peter. Dough. Yeah. Do I believe that Peter is doing that person? No. No. I I understand that, like, trolling is bad and writing these reviews <laughs> are bad. Like, I understand all of those things. But a lot of people on this show have jobs and they do not make the job their defining characteristic on television. Right? And so on some level, I'm like, you came in clearly trying to promote this pizza and now you're mad yeah. that there have been ramifications on the pizza. I'm like, my dude, then don't bring it up. Well, here's <laughs> this is the problem is that people have to like embrace the delusion that they will always come off well in order mm-hmm. to make themselves go on the show. And so then they're very affronted when, you know, due to the contract they signed, which literally says we can portray you any way we want to and we can chop up your words any way we want to. Then they come off badly and they're like, well, why is this affecting me? And it's, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It should only affect me if it's a positive effect. Only if it's positive. If this is a boost for my business, great. But yeah. if this could possibly hurt my business, then that's actually everyone else's fault. We call this sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind. And that's truly what Peter is unpleasantly experiencing right now. And he truly is like, what the fuck, man? This fucking sucks. 
Um, Will, meanwhile, is like, man, sounds about right. These reviews are facts, facts on facts. <laughs> and and Tasha and Caitlin are like, so you've had the pizza? And he's like, yeah, I did have the pizza. You guys saw me have the pizza. And Peter's like, that was hotel pizza. And Will's like, you saw the box. And that was, and like, we all know it. Obviously we all wasn't know that Peter's wasn't pizza. his pizza. Come on, Will. We're not that Peter stupid. Peter brought the box as a prop and Will put some other pizza in it to do a little gag about how much it sucked. Whatever. We're not idiots, Will. Final review. Pizza tasted like it was drenched in pool pool water. I have to say, I just like, I, I don't even respect the effort on this one. This feels like a, a really, a really uninspired <laughs> way of of introducing Dig this bachelor drama. Oh, it tastes like it was soaked in pool water, like Will's jacket. How original. Um, so as they wrap up, Peter says that he'd like to bring someone out. And out comes a mustachioed man in a light suit with a manila folder under his arm. He stands in front of Will and he says, Willie Joel Urena. And Will looks like very shaken and says, what's good, brah? And then the man gives him the folder and says he's been served for defamation of character. Peter says, come at me, bro. That's a little taste of what's going to happen in real life. I I really want to put in <laughs> a plea to, like, stop doing these terribly staged bits where they've obviously hired actors to come, like, fulfill a, a pre-planned scene. I would go so it's far as so to call annoying. this a skit. Like, this is just a yeah, skit. Yeah, it was, it was a skit. Like, we, please, we can do away with that. Honestly, then maybe we could chop down the freaking special to an hour instead of two Mm -hmm. hours. Like just cut out all the fat. This isn't, I mean, we're going to get to this later, but earlier we were saying like, oh, I kind of feel bad for him because like his business has repercussions. And I like want to argue that I don't know that his business is receiving any negative repercussions besides these like few (laughs) Yelp reviews. Because now the the first like 30 minutes of this televised national special is about a pizza store. That is true. That and it true. even and it like it comes full circle, yeah. Later on, it, it actually is the central. It's just a long fucking special. promo for Peter's Pizzeria. Although I am pleased that I have not retained the name of it. So, how good yeah, is that he's, branding? He's, really, the problem is that he's more interested in branding himself as an entrepreneur. Of he's pizza, pizza guy, pizza than, boy. Yeah, exactly. He he's he's like the bad founder, like where they're constantly like he just wants to like prance around and be like, I founded the company. And meanwhile, we're like in a shambles. So should we move on to Ryan? I first I really need to say the last thing that Peter says. Okay. And I mean, come on. How does Peter end this segment? Peter says this shows one thing. Rest in pizza. (laughs) And then he makes a cross. Sign with his arm. He sucks so much. At He's Will. been practicing that one. Speaking of scripting lines, like could yeah, he, he and Will take both the time and think brought... of something that made sense. No, <laughs> he just knows that pizza resembles peace. But because at the it, beginning, yeah, because of the shared syllable. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Ryan. Uh, Ryan, as we may recall despite it being several thousand years ago. Had a dossier. Had a dossier. And he did 
leave night one after Tasha and Caitlin found and revealed this dossier of like how to succeed on the bachelorette to Michelle. And so Tasha asked him like, why did you come on the show to meet Michelle? And he was like, Oh, her big loving heart. And like, we had such a great connection. It was so wonderful. And Caitlin's like, so why would you bring the notes? Why bring them? And he says that his girlfriends that watch the show wanted him to be successful and find love. And there were no disingenuous actions. And Caitlin says, you say that you went for Michelle, but you wrote down the girls in the section on your dream girls. That that was you. And none of them were like Michelle. And he says the characteristics of his dream girl are just like Michelle. And he's like, I can get the notes out. Like, I have them in the back. And they're like, oh, no, we brought our own copies. But we don't actually continue to revisit the dream girl section. I wanted to hear more on his justification. Me too. I was like, no, wait, who were the dream girls? What characteristics? Like, please explain yourself. Yet again, we start drilling down on something and then it's just abandoned. We never have the follow-up question. I have several things to say about the folder. I... Please. Okay. The first thing I have to say is that this guy in the season, I swear on my life, said my friend's wife did this for him. He was like, my friend's wife made this folder. Now on the show, he's like, oh, my girlfriend's made it for me, which implies there are like more people. And at first I was like, (laughs) okay, you know, because I have long said that I truly believe I could coach someone to win, like to get final three, because it is a game that you can play. But the front of this folder, do you remember this? The front of this folder has handwriting on it that can only belong to a man. That's his. (laughs) No, obviously he physically made the folder. I do believe that some of the notes may have been sent to him. I will also say that when we saw on the original air, I did do some Googling and at least some of the notes come from a very badly written Odyssey article from like yeah. 2015. So bizarre. there's there's clearly, um, I'll say, a mix of authors but here. But see, that I think is revealing, though, is that he's trying to say, as you're saying, Kelsey, like, my friends did this for me. But what's clearly <laughs> the case is that he printed out a bunch of shit from the internet and he wrote out some shit for himself. <laughs> and then he reached out to his friends and was like, you watch The Bachelor. Like, what yeah. do I have to do to get on TV a bunch? And they told him, and he printed that shit out and put it in the binder. So it's not like they just, like, sent it to him as an offering. I also, like, when Tasha and Caitlin are holding that folder, it's, like, 40 pages. I'm like, what do you possibly need to know? It's extensive. It's 40 pages long. What you need to know is don't talk about anyone else. Frankly, I think it's rude. (laughs) Don't talk about anyone else. And don't bring notes about how you're going to get more screen time (laughs) and leave them in your room. Because... Even if you made it through night one, which he did not, he was about to have a bunch of roommates who are his competition. Like, what did he? What think are you going to do? Pull out your little folder very, and it's very, it it's very, very stupid. <laughs> yeah. I just think what we're owed is like the pages. Okay, if you're going to pull up these excerpts of the doc, just print the whole thing, mm-hmm. publish the thing in full for publish all of us. The dossier, yeah, publish the dossier. Put it on genius we so deserve that we can it. all go through an annotation. If you have access exactly. um, to this dossier, what email can they send it to? <laughs> yeah, please leak it to uh, claireandemmapod at gmail.com. Yeah. Leak the dossier. <laughs> We're waiting. We just get a couple excerpts in this 
discussion, which are ones that we've heard before. Most teachers feel like teaching is like who they are rather than just a job. They take it super personally. So make it seem like you are super interested in that. I love that this note is just about like understanding the personality type that is a teacher. Like, have you met a teacher before, Ryan? Let me explain something to you. Um, there's no assumption that he has like n- normal levels of human knowledge about how to interact right, I'm, with. I'm also fascinated teachers. by the idea that someone would have a job that's like no need to show any interest in what they do. Like they don't take it super personally. So you can just glide right over anything they say. No need to feign interest. Also, if he didn't know that about Michelle, like that's her whole bachelorette campaign. Like, she's such a teacher. She, we had to do this over summer vacation. He's like, I know she has a big heart, but I needed my friend to research the fact that she's a teacher. What I know is is about her her big heart and her dream girl qualities. Even if you give him every credit under the sun, right? And you say, like, your friends really care about you. They made you this folder. They forced you to bring it, blah, blah, blah. They want you to do well. If your friends think that you need to be instructed on how to communicate with someone about a fundamental aspect of their personality, that's not a guy you want to (laughs) date. And I think that actually in that vein, Romeo made a pretty good point. And we have a clip. Why do the other people not think that you're capable of, like, showing genuine interest? No, they were saying, like, because I, I, I had one week to prepare, so I was like, right. nobody prepared. You shouldn't but... have to be prepared to be interested I, in I, dating someone. I, I... Well, this is all a big revelation to me. I did a lot of studying before I entered the dating world. Also, um, a week is a long yeah. time. If you give me someone's first name and, like, one aspect about them, I could have, like, tons of intel for them in, like, an hour. So I'm like, what are you doing yeah, I that you know. still need this folder after a week? Did you not read it? Yeah, I don't know what they thought. And no, he, apparently he didn't <laughs> read it. Like one of the guys is like, so did you read this stuff through before? And he was like, nah, I just printed it out. Helpless. It with me. Um, it's so bizarre. I mean, so we were like, when this initially aired, we were like a little bit expensive of Ryan or at least the concept of doing this because we were like it is such a weird environment and like people have different needs for like understanding how to interact with other people like some people find it very helpful to have scripts to to talk to people in certain contexts etc and that's okay but like the more he talks about it the weirder it seems I don't know I just like was not persuaded uh that we were right to also, for someone who studies, so much benefit of he doubt. did he did not show up to Mentel all prepared to defend himself properly. He yeah. was like, "No, no, no! You don't understand. I only had a week to prepare." This is why he so, needed the folder. Like he can't. He yeah. doesn't get it. He prefers an open book test, though. He's like, "If I had my notes here, I could defend myself adequately." <laughs> but <laughs> I'm off book right now, and it's it's tough. Um, I mean. It's he does a lot of just like letting everyone else talk and then being like, if that's what you think. Um, Casey brings up that he said he never watched The Bachelor, but he was on The Bachelor Live. How does that square up? That gets no response. That is completely dropped because then Daniel is like, this is hard for me and PJ because we both went home without a one on one. Like, because okay, Daniel, like, I, Daniel, I really, no. you're, you seem very sweet, but let's get to the question at hand which is the fact that he was 
part of Bachelor Live. I so waited, he clearly understands the structure of I this waited franchise. All season for more insight about his Bachelor Live background. And instead we're talking about how Daniel and PJ both would have like married Michelle if Ryan hadn't had a dossier somehow. Like it's like barely any causal relation at all. And then Ryan says, Well, I want to personally apologize to you both because a lot of guys got sent home without getting a chance to talk to her. And that's on me. And I'm really sorry. And this is when Pardeep breaks out his little audition tape for Paradise. He gets so mad. Um, He's like, no, you're only apologizing because you got caught. If you were top four, your mouth would be shut right now. Which, yeah, because there wouldn't be a bunch of wasted time from night one because of his drama if there hadn't been any night one drama that he caused. So, like, what would he even be apologizing for? And Pardeep goes on, like, all you want to do is go viral, dude. You're someone that desperately wanted to be on The Bachelor your entire life. And since birth, this has been your dream. <laughs> he came from the womb prepped to go on the bachelor. And he's in his crib with a little mobile of roses above him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, one day, his parents are like, this Simba is, <laughs> is what you will get one day. You've been born into greatness. <laughs> and Ryan's like, well, that's what you think. Again, defending himself very actively. And Pardeep says, like, go away. You have no integrity. Honestly, do not understand why Pardeep is so pissed about this. Or, like, I can't connect with his anger over it. And also the idea that he's only apologizing because he got caught is, like, yeah, obviously he didn't think that it was wrong to have this binder. And if it had gone smoothly and no one had found out about it, he's not going to then come forward and be like, I have this binder and I'm really sorry. Wait, like, of course he's only apologizing because he got caught. Like, that seems to me like almost immaterial. Like, of course. Like, even if, like, even if he does feel really bad, he only feels really bad because he got caught. He wouldn't have just come to feel bad. I don't know. Also, this not is, to be annoying. I just didn't understand this. But, like, week one, you're looking for reasons to send someone home. So, like, this... Of course he got sent home. This guy had to get out of there. And, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Basically, what I want to say is that I think if if she had really liked him and felt a big connection with him, he could have overcome this if he had played it correctly. And he did not. So he did not read his folder, and that's his failure. (laughs) (laughs) He did not feign enough interest in the teaching profession, (laughs) frankly. And uh, at this point, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about Martin. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually 
work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love Article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from Article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an Article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first Article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. And we're back. Sorry. We're both back. All three of I'm us I'm also are back. back. Yeah. <laughs> and we're <laughs> Everyone's back. back. And we are going to talk about Martin. So when Martin's name is brought up by our two beautiful and charming hosts, I love that we see these reactions. All the men start like shifting around and like grunting in like a disapproving way. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, Martin. Ugh. 
And they ask Olu why he didn't like Martin. He was like, I thought he was two-faced. And a lot of the guys were fooled, but I wasn't buying it. And Romeo, a big part of Romeo's role this episode is just to be like, I liked you and that was a mistake. I'm so sorry to America for having you as my friend and dyeing my hair to match your hair. And Romeo raises his hand and says, I was fooled. I was one of those guys. I mean, look at my hair. It is now bleached like Martin's. It was not during the show. And Martin, like, leans over and reaches his hand out to him to, like, share a warm hand clasp or something. And Romeo is like, don't touch me, bro. (laughs) He, like, leans back and is like, ah, I can't be seen touching the enemy. I honestly think this works in his favor, though. Romeo does a smart thing, which is that he diffuses the situation right before he levies some serious criticism and we have a clip of that critique i like you i want to like you but i was so disappointed when i saw that a triple whammy of misogyny you you called miami women high maintenance wait, wait. you referred to them as females and you said that michelle was not like other girls triple whammy of misogyny is this maybe the second time we've ever heard the term misogyny <laughs> uttered on this show. Like, is it the first? I love like, you, Romeo. The first, times. maybe. Yeah. I feel like Romeo, either he listens to our podcast or um, he's a kindred spirit and either one endears me to him immeasurably. Thank you for listening. If you're out there, uh, I appreciate that you noted that it's, misogynist to say that someone is not like other girls, even though it might sound like a compliment. I feel like that's an easy one to miss. I agree. He really, he really nailed it. He broke that statement down super well. And Martin was kind of like a deer in the headlights to it. He's like, well, I was just like trying to give Michelle a compliment. First of all, bro, that's not a good explanation. Yeah. Like we knew you were trying to get, like we know the problem is that you believe that it's a compliment to say that these other women are trash, but luckily you're better. This is kind of the same thing we were talking about before, where he, instead of saying, like, you had a girlfriend, which is the next critique, right? He's like, the problem is that you suck. The problem is that you're a misogynist, and I hate that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that at least some of the conversation with Martin was actually directly about how much he sucked. Substantive. And yeah. was like, and was a, a sexist. Um, and he says something confusing about how he did lie to Michelle at the end, but it was only because there was a loss of respect because she wouldn't give him a chance to explain himself. He really still maintains this line that she somehow did something to invite this behavior, which was yeah. what we took issue with the whole time. He's constantly, he's like, yes, maybe I did do something wrong. But the reason is because Michelle's behavior kind of forced my hand. And I was trying to give her a compliment and she misunderstood. He's also me. not even clear on what he lied to her about. He's like, I did lie to her, of course, because she was being a real bitch. But like, what what is he copping to as the lie? I missed that. A little he's bit. copping to lying about the fact that he called her immature. Because they had just shown that clip. And that so make, it, that, it's very obvious. That was that obviously he, a lie. So he, I think he was trying to get ahead of that and just be like, yes, I did lie. Um, okay, we're done here. I said it. I said I lied. No one bring it up now. And then Will says, 
that he heard that throughout the whole filming process, Martin had a girlfriend. And I think we have a clip of this back and forth. The rumor on the street was, Martin, that throughout the whole process of the show, you had a girlfriend. I didn't have a girlfriend. How, how all of a sudden, we finished filming, we're back here, and you're all of a sudden in a relationship. So I just wanted to months. put it out it's there. It's been a couple months. A couple but months. I don't think necessarily the statement was that you had a girlfriend. I did while not. You were and I said I did not. I did date before. She wasn't my girlfriend. She would like I didn't live with her. It's not the case. Did you break up with her or did you take a I break wasn't with to go her. on the show? Yeah, of course. Okay, How am I we, with her? So we don't of course you did to go on the show. Yeah, we don't have our phones on us. How am I with somebody? What? <laughs> He's basically <laughs> digging himself a hole. I love it so much. He, Martin is so just not very smart. And so Will keeps being like, okay, so you like were dating her and then you like broke it off to go on the show and then went back to her. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's, yes, that's what I did. I wasn't with her. I didn't have a phone. I, w- I wasn't living with her. You can't be dating yeah. someone unless you cohabitate <laughs> He's with like, them. We dated, as everyone but she wasn't knows. my girlfriend. We didn't live together. <laughs> okay. His two arguments for his innocence are, I didn't live with this woman and I didn't have a phone. And it's like incredible, incredible stuff. So if you did have a phone, would you have a girlfriend? Like what? What? (laughs) Yeah, because then he would have been texting her. But because he could, look, if you stop texting someone, they cease to exist. Whatever relationship. Yeah. No, I think this is He's like, I basically ghosted her to go on the show. We're talking about the generation of men that ghosts women as a matter of course. And they're like, me not texting you for three plus days is a breakup in itself. Like, that's, they're the same thing. Like, I think this is the new pathology that we're dealing with here. Yeah, and he's like, yes, we may have been sleeping together, going on dates, hanging out, having intimate conversations, but did I specifically say, queen, will you be my girlfriend? Will you move in with me? Will you move in with me and therefore be Uh, my girlfriend at last? (laughs) He's like, I never said that. So what I love about this denial is that he truly is just like, I didn't have a girlfriend and then proceeds to basically say that by definition, no one who goes on the show can ever have a girlfriend. <laughs> so like, what are yeah, we even talking right. about? They're like, why would we even ask the question? They don't have their phones. Oh, my God. What is there to discuss? Um, so that brings Mar- Martin's uh, segment to a close. And next we revisit the drama surrounding Chris S. And... Of course, that just stemmed back to him announcing to the group, including Michelle, that some of the guys thought they had it in the bag. And he insists that while he may have put it a little strong, the comment may have come off a little stronger than he intended, his intentions were genuine. Not one of these men just cops to what they did no and apologize. No one prepared to, like, really apologize and no. just, like— no, and it, it is interesting. He has a similar, he takes a similar tack as Ryan, where he's like, you can say what you want, and that's fair. Have your opinions. But all I know is I was genuine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he insists that he was not just trying to get a rose by making this little speech in front of everyone. And the men all question that like there's clearly a strong opinion that like he was desperate for a rose um, to stay another week and that he then made this very public kind of stunt uh, in order to make an impression and after this little conversation amongst the group Caitlin asked if there's anything else he'd like to say like an apology by the end they're all just straight up like 
so would you like to apologize, man, or what? Like, all of these conversations just end with, like, And every a, time they're like, no, not, not really. really. No, I'm actually, good. I actually feel pretty great. Um, and he's like, no, it may have come off, like, stronger than I thought it would, but but my intentions were good, and, like, I don't feel like I need to apologize. At and which this point, is where Rick comes barreling in. Rick does not hold back. Really enjoyed him during this tell-all. And he says... Look, Chris was my roommate in Minneapolis. I don't believe what he's saying because he told me that he's had better looking women than Michelle. Bleep, 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 which I assume we assume was suck his dick. Well, because I think it was bleep his bleep, bleep his bleep. Yes, bleep his bleep. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> I just like I was like, what else could go there? I'm not up on like all the latest hip sex acts that the young people are doing to each other, but like it sounded like it was like that a, is and the reaction uh <laughs> felt like that was the tenor of the comment. And all I could think was like, wow, men are really bold at just exposing their most trash selves to one another in private. Oh yeah. Like, they're all dating the same woman. They're on a dating show. And he's just like, let me, hey, man, uh, I met you a week or two ago. Like, let me just tell you about how many hot bitches have sucked me off. Like, okay, what? (laughs) I'm so upset. It's a crazy thing to do on this show. Well, right. (laughs) That's like a cardinal sin. It's also just crazy that you're giving this guy material. After getting the villain edit, right? So this guy has gotten a full villain edit over the whole season. He's given the opportunity to apologize. And instead, he just doesn't take it and makes his whole situation worse. So I'm like, did you watch this season? Like, did you see what happened? And if you did, is it just that you have no self-reflection ability? Is that what has happened here? I would guess actually that. That that would be my guess, Kelsey. Yeah. We're Sounds seeing, right. We're seeing a batch of villains here who who really don't have self-reflective qualities, and that's why they end up in these situations. <laughs> um and Peter jumps in to defend Chris and says, Well, that's like a he said, he said thing, though. And Rick says, Peter, nobody gives a shit about your opinion anymore. <laughs> the men just all cheer. <laughs> There's a lot of like heckling going on in this episode. This was a, a mostly a from uh, Casey and moment. Rick, and frankly, I was into it. Oh, there's just a lot of like I, I feel like I'm constantly hearing the different men and like the corners where they're <laughs> kind of cut out of the shop, maybe, and so I can't see yeah. who's saying it being like, "Yeah, go for blood, baby." <laughs> like, um, especially at the this next point because Tasha asks for Olu's thoughts, and of course, Olu had a lot of conflict with Chris surrounding this little display that he made. And I think we have a clip of this exchange. Olu, what about you? Oh, man. What do you <laughs> it's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath. Slow and loose. Slow and loose. Speak your piece. What do you have to say to Chris? Let it be a bloodbath. Honestly, don't you, don't you ever in your life say I have a low IQ, literally. You're looking at you're looking at black excellence right here. Let's go. The crowd loves Olu. And I mean frankly, who wouldn't? What a great moment. I love I love I love that Chris is just like sitting there studiously avoiding his gaze like that means this isn't happening like 
He yeah, he's like, like, if I don't if I make eye contact there, with him, I won't have to address this. It's funny because when Olu stands up and goes over there, immediately, like, the two guys in front of Chris stand to, like, create a barrier between them. But it seems like he was only going over there to get eye contact. I think he, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I was like, he was not trying to fight Chris. He was literally being like, was can literally, you look at me yeah. when I'm speaking to you? Because you said something really gross about me on national television. And then Chris is very bravely sitting behind his, the two men in front of him. I think it was Rodney and Peter. It's Rodney and who Peter. Who are creating yeah. a barrier between him and the very calm man who is criticizing him. And he's like, sit down, man, sit down. It's like, Chris, you're not coming off as like the bigger man here, believe it or not. Like, you're not coming off as in the right. He also does not apologize for this, which like, that is the easiest thing to apologize for. Just say, you know, I was frustrated with him and that was a shitty comment to make. I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. Yeah. he's. But no, he's, Chris can't even be bothered to do that. He's genuinely like caught in this moment, like having said something that I think is like pretty clearly kind of racist. Or at least like, if not like yes. intentionally so, like very much has those Absolutely a microaggression. And he is, like, completely unfazed bare by minimum. that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really disturbing. And like, Chris thinks that he's like something to write home. Like, it's like, he's just like some like fucking guy in a little gray suit who like pretends to be a, a to, <laughs> pretends to be like some kind of financial genius who works out of like some beach town in California. And it's like, what makes you think you're you're any like anything special or anything better than than any of these other guys it's just i just hope we i hope we never have to see chris again he brings nothing i am tired of his face yeah the only thing absolutely nothing goodbye the only thing i liked about that interaction is and this is i am going to give peter credit for one thing is that the whole time he was standing he was going you're strong you're really strong and i was like what (laughs) i was like what are you why are you saying this and i just loved it because i was like oh this like undertone of homoeroticism of like we don't all need you don't have to prove it again we all know we all think about how strong you are all the time There is, they call him Swolu for a reason. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a talking point with the men that he's just like really strong. And uh, <laughs> it's beautiful to see them, you know, gassing him up in this way. Um, so last but not least, Jamie, who has been kept off stage in order for there to be a more dramatic confrontation later. And he's backstage and he comes out to sort of ominous music blowing kisses and grinning and being like, I'm fabulous. You two ladies look fabulous. It's so great to be here. Does not seem to understand what's going on or like the role that he's playing in this, or he understands it really well and is super committed to playing his part. Yeah. We really have this theme of just a total lack of self-awareness and that's what makes his demeanor almost chilling. It's like either you are so committed to your delusions or I'm like, is this man like sociopathic? I don't know. Not to pull a will here. Um, but Jamie is like a classic example of like narcissists only get stronger when they go to therapy because he like has all of these manipulation (laughs) tactics and all of these like 
observations about himself that only serve his own plan. And it is, it's really scary Mm -hmm. listening to him talk. You're like, oh my God, this is, I know that you're wrong and I've seen what you've done and I still like can hear the tone in your voice and believe you. Don't date that man in my opinion. Right, right. No, no, that's what makes it, it's so chilling. Um, And, you know, we see Taisha and Caitlin kind of try to start with a softball, just being like, what are your first impressions? And he just, again, speaks about Michelle as though like they've never had conflict. Everything was perfect. He saw what a bright, shining star she was. And then Taisha's like, okay, but let's talk about the fact that you said that Michelle was on spring break mode. And I think we have a clip of how Jamie responds to this. What did you mean when you said that it felt like Michelle was on spring break mode? That's actually a good comment or a good question um, because I think that what's missing from that moment is the context of what happened. There had been this thing where I accidentally walked in too soon while she was having an intimate moment with one of the other castmates. And so the spring break comment was more so about me just being one of 20 guys. Okay, I love that he, (laughs) Freudian slip, compliments his own comment first about Michelle (laughs) being on spring break mode and then is like, actually, no, we're not here to talk about what a funny line that was. We're here to talk about what a good question that was. Tasha, thank you for that. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. The missing context was that I was saying that she was like a big old slut because I saw her make out with someone. That's what you you just didn't, you weren't understanding. Right. That's the thing that's so funny to me is I'm like, wait, so your comment, first off, what do you think is happening on spring break Two, like this whole idea of like, oh, I saw you making out with one guy and therefore you're a slut and therefore spring break mode. I'm like, this is two leaps that I just don't make no sense to me personally. Everyone knows that when you go on spring break, you like go down to Daytona and they're like, here, put on a suit, put on a gown. There is an assembly (laughs) line. You will be given one object of desire and you need to zone in on them and make out with them whenever appropriate. That's the very traditional spring break setting. (laughs) No, in spring break mode, you make out with everyone. Everyone who walks by, that's that's the problem. And that's clearly what Michelle's been doing. I mean, it's just like he says that, like, that's going to, like, illuminate things for all of us. Like, oh, you didn't understand. But, like, when I explain what's going on, Michelle was dating 19 other guys. And, like, I had evidence of that <laughs> Everyone's with like, my own <gasps> eyes. And what? Like, no, Jamie, we knew about that. Like, that's why that you're all on TV. Like, that's actually <laughs> not additional context. That's the context we already had. And so it does not make you look less like an asshole. And at this point, Romeo says, you're just, you know, this is bringing up back bad memories. You're doing more of what you did in the house. And here again, Romeo ritually confesses that he was friends with, with the wrong person. He's like, I was totally under your spell. I looked up to you. I wanted to be like you. I feel so foolish now. But look, you called Michelle easy on TV. And just, like, I I was, like, Romeo again, just, like, cutting right to the point. Thank oh, you. I love Romeo. So good He is the voice of reason uh, that we really needed. We knew his day would finally come on this franchise, and it was men tell all. And, you know, the guys start being like, yeah, like, you took a shot at Michelle, but also at all of us. Um, and Jamie says, well, if you want to take that and say that's who you really are, I'm not going to try to change that. 
And I think he's trying to say, like, if you think badly of me because of that, then okay. And Will's like, no, like, you said those things. Like, you have to, like, take ownership of that as a man. That's what men do, as we can tell from this program. And Jamie says, well, there's actually two pieces. No, three pieces to that. The first one is saying that they're on different (laughs) levels. But I will say, just fundamentally, right, no human being is better than another human being. Sir, you literally said on <laughs> national television that you're better. And like, that she's first worse. of all. <laughs> yeah. This is, the best part of this, though, is they pan out. Like, instead of being tight cropped on everyone, they pan out. And you could just see that every guy, like, would kill him. Like, they're all so yeah. angry. <laughs> the reaction shots, whenever he starts talking, are just their faces are falling. Like, they're dropping their heads into their hands. They're, you could tell that some part of them was like, maybe we'll get a good answer this time. And then three words come out, and they're like, oh, fucking hell. Here we go again. He also says this with, like, just the most self-righteous smirk. Like, he really thinks he's going to get, like, a standing ovation of people being like, this man is standing up for human rights and justice. Like, he believes we are all equal. And I think that's beautiful. And my eyes rolled so hard. I honestly, like, almost wasn't able to watch the rest of the episode. It was, it was a lot. And at this point, Casey has some thoughts to share. I think we have a clip of that as well. I think you actually believe some of the delusional things you say, but we would love, every time we confronted you, we'd love to just hear a straight answer that didn't take paragraphs and parables to wind around. Ted Talk Jamie. There's two different Jamies. There's one who's in the room who's telling us all, you're amazing, you're a magnificent spirit, you're the best, everything you can do is positive. It's Tony Robbins all day, and it was BS. Because as, as soon as he got off camera, he's saying, yo, these guys aren't... Michelle is on spring break. That's Jamie. Ooh. I was like cheering for Casey. I was like, yes, Casey, tell him. Casey Make and that Romeo Tony Robbins posted, actually. Tasha <laughs> uh, asks the guys what they think basically about his weird lie about the rumor in the house, which was his downfall. And Rodney is like, yeah, when that happened, remember, we were all talking about it. And you said to everyone, Jamie, remember, this is all out there on TV. So you better fess up now. And so, of course, we were like, it's not Jamie, obviously. Like, we have this image of you that you wouldn't do that. And you hurt that. And so now we want redemption for you. We want you to build yourself back up. We want you to apologize for that and let's Rodney is really trying to just lay out a playbook. He's like, no one wants to keep talking to you, Jamie. Just say the thing. We can be done. And Jamie's like, okay, nice thought. But (laughs) what if we talked about the fact that we all had a conversation? What about that? What about (laughs) The conversation we had. Yeah, what if after I told the lie, struck a match on something, lit a fire in a library, came in and was like, "Whoever lit this library on fire needs to fess up." And then everyone was like, "Well, I guess we need to talk about the library fire." And then now, (laughs) on Mendel Hall is like, is like you guys had a discussion. It's like, yeah, no shit, they had a discussion. You lit a library on fire, like they had to. Yeah. They had to talk. It's so bizarre. Like, he keeps bringing this up in this way. Like, there was a conversation that happened after Michelle confronted the group that needs to be acknowledged in some way. And 
As far as I can tell, part of that conversation was televised, just like everything else that happened in the house. And it was because he lit the library fire. So it doesn't actually (laughs) prove anything about whether he had to go start the library fire to begin with. Like, what, what point does he think he's proving? He never, like, says it in a clear enough way that he keeps being like, oh, we're all trying. I'm not going to buy into this narrative when I know we all sat around in a circle and talked. And it's like, okay, like, so what tell narrative, us what the, the narrative, narrative that is. You started this? Like, what are you talking about? It, yeah, he doesn't present an alternative narrative. He's just like, there is a narrative. It's out there. It's unfortunate you all can't find <laughs> this it. This narrative has become its own character, you know, <laughs> this monster. This is what's so scary, though. I mean, I think it's like it's mm-hmm. emotional manipulation. He's telling her, I'm the only one who doesn't think this. Everyone else thinks these bad things about you. And in yes. a one-on-one relationship, you can really turn someone's entire friend group into the villain and you as like the only safe person. The only reason he doesn't get away with it is that there were 19 other guys to be like, he's full of shit. Right. And I think that's why we hear like a few of the men, I think explicitly kind of say like, it's very disturbing to watch you speak this way. Um, and I think that they're sort of identifying that dynamic that you're speaking to, Kelsey. Yeah. He even goes further and it's like, so there are levels here to what we're talking about. There's a rumor. And then there's, am I bothered by the rumor? And then there's, if I'm bothered, am I talking about the rumor? Like, no, sir. yeah. So he says, there's the level of, there's this rumor, am I bothered by it? And the other level is, regardless of whether I'm bothered, am I talking about it? Now, first of all, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but also, They've all denied that they were either bothered or talking about it very much. Like, we saw a little bit of conversation about it in which the guys were clearly not bothered by it, except for Jamie. And then the other guys were like, this just didn't really come up very much. Like, we weren't really saying anything. So, like, what point is he trying to make here? It's just every time that they try to confront him about something, like, why didn't you own up to that? That's what he says this in response to. They're like, why didn't you own up to the fact that you brought this up? He's like, let's talk about the different levels of the rumor. Like, that wasn't the fucking question, dude. Like, it's just a path that leads to nowhere. He simply never actually answers the question. Never answers Like, he just really commits to discussing all of the various levels. And... It kind of just ends there. Actually, like there I think is at the no very catharsis. end. The reason that he gives is, oh yeah, I was going to come clean about it, but then like we were all talking about the library fire, and so <laughs> I didn't want to like take away from the conversation about how to put out the library fire by admitting that I had set the library fire. Which like, oh wow, it's really compelling. It's also just an inability to accept other people's emotions, right? All of these guys are saying, I'm mad. You made me mad. I'm hurt. You hurt my feelings. And he's saying, well, you shouldn't be mad. You shouldn't have hurt feelings. And it's like, well, tough shit. It doesn't matter what you think I should feel. (laughs) It's too late. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't respect the way they feel. He thinks of like everyone feeling a different way from him as being some sort of disinformation narrative campaign. And the only thing that's really real are the complex plays of layered thoughts that are playing out in his own mind about all of this. And like, buddy, that is just like a small, small slice of what's really happening here. Everyone else's participation in this is actually very much real and part of this. And it just, yeah, it doesn't exist to him in any meaningful way. No, his feelings are at the center. 
he's the only person who really matters. And we see this, you know, continue through even when when Michelle confronts him. And on that note, I think it's time for us to talk about the handful of men that get called into the hot seat before Michelle is brought out. First up is Rick. Yes, Rick is in the hot seat. Uh, He gave them this beautiful gift that they could always use a bunch of easy table-setting puns whenever he is brought on stage. And he just gets a little moment in the hot seat to look queasy and sad just doing his classic things Rick about thing. Michelle. It is very on <laughs> brand for Rick. I loved Rick all season because he just looks like um, a lovable Grey's Anatomy patient. Like there's something about him that he like <laughs> is just so emotional that I'm like, Rick, buddy, like, please. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's happening to you? And there is, there is an element that's like, he seems a little bit unwell, but he's like fighting so hard. <laughs> like he's a fighter and he's going to come through this. Yeah, he has the look of a person who's like in a hospital bed after just being told that the cancer. But is he's back. hot, so it's like yeah. he's not a but, normal person. But he's yeah. hot. <laughs> well, that's he's right. Well, that's why he, he's in a televised yeah. <laughs> uh, hospital bed. He's hot, and and his like his his daughter is is like crying, and his wife is like oh, and he's like smiling bravely, and he's like we're gonna fight this, honey. Like don't. It's going to be okay. The girl in the audience is his daughter just weeping. (laughs) (laughs) And Casey is also weeping, which like Casey apparently is just shipping Rick and Michelle hard. He was devastated to see this breakup play again. I, I got kind of emotional watching the playback because it just is so obvious that like they didn't break up because he was a bad person or because something didn't work. He just wasn't good enough. Right. Which is like the worst way to be broken up with. It's like, oh, well, everything was great. I just don't love you as much as I love everyone else. It's like, oh, yeah, it's it sucks for Rick. But like, I I have to say it was an uphill battle for him. Like he's handsome. He's likable. She she enjoyed a lot about him. But like they didn't have like that natural yeah, it was never going to get where it, where it got with the the final four. Yeah, but it was honestly seeing Rick on this episode. <laughs> I was like, I am now even more upset that they cast Clayton. I was like, if you were so desperate to cast a white man, like, couldn't you have at least given us Rick? I don't think, that but they no, felt- they needed a Midwestern football player with a very square. I don't jaw. think that they felt like Rick could could uh could handle talking that much without slipping <laughs> into a whisper think of all the retakes yeah. i'd have to do rick you whispered that yeah. line again you're actually supposed to be saying that in a very loud and upbeat tone <laughs> like oh yeah i actually think that costa rica is the perfect place to fall <laughs> you can't have the bachelor crying so i mean he would cry a lot he would cry like, night one for sure i support that actually now i think i rick do should too be the bachelor. i think rick should be the bachelor. <laughs> just to okay just to normalize yeah. male tears but yeah, so they have this this very uh, tender conversation about how wonderful Michelle is and how nervous he is to see her. And then Tasha asks him about what it was like having his head on the platter all night when he entered the show. And he says he was very sore the next day, which makes sense. It was really like being held in a stress position at a black site somewhere. Um, Looked deeply uncomfortable. But voluntarily for some reason. And... Then they wheel out a trolley with a covered dish. And you know what? Tables have turned. 
Rick finds out he doesn't like opening a mystery dish so much. Finally putting himself in Michelle's shoes. It's pretty unsettling. He finally works up the courage to do this, and he opens the dish and reveals a terrifying version of his own head. It was very Uncanny Valley, and it really didn't look like him. Yeah, I think Uncanny Valley might even be the wrong term because it didn't look yeah, anything that's true. like it didn't human look, it, it didn't look uh, <laughs> close enough to human to even be Uncanny Valley. It, it reminded me, I have a good friend who an ex-boyfriend once gave her a like deeply terrifying portrait of herself as a 30th birthday no. gift. No. And no. It's, it, it like resembles her in very vague ways, but the face details are very scary. And I felt like this was the cake version of that for Rick. And like the 30th birthday is like such a big birthday. You're like, I'm going to, maybe I'll get like a really nice gift for this. And instead. They they did break up very shortly after. (laughs) So yeah, I'm not surprised. And he takes a, a bite out of a chunk of the hair of his cake. And with that, we say goodbye to Rick and it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about some unexpected and sad news. Can you keep up? I like love I am so glad that it's finally warming up and it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep and luckily I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, keto, vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. And we're back. And this is the point in the show where I guess production was like, news will have broken about Tasha and Zach. We need to address this. And Caitlin seems to have been given the task of like in the middle of this episode, turning to Tasha and saying, okay, so Tasha, you're not wearing your engagement ring. What's going on? <laughs> Enlighten us. It was like an absolute nightmare way for a conversation to start. <laughs> I honestly felt bad for both of them. Yeah, same. Uh, Tasha looks very sad, and I think we have a clip of what she says. I mean, all in all, all I have to say is that I'm heartbroken. But we tried really hard, and... I still love him very much, and um, I'm not sure what the future holds. I mean, you know how it is. It's really tough. I sadly do know how it is, and it's really hard. But we're here for you, and obviously want you to be happy. Thank you. This was rough. This show truly is just building a sisterhood of people who endure very public broken engagements <laughs> and they can really connect on that. It's very sad. It sounds scripted. Like what she said, the actual words that she's saying sound to me like they were written for her. I know. But it just is like, she can't, I'm like, nobody should have to do this. You shouldn't have to re- read through a script that you can't even get through because it is so recent. I'm like you should, you deserve to have a little more space than this. I wonder if this was potentially a compromise. I wonder, I don't know how much Tasha wanted to do. To me, this merits almost like a sit down segment, like interview, but I can imagine Tasha not wanting to do that. I do think that maybe the worst way to do it and probably engineered to get the drama, like teaser moment that they did get is to do it in the middle of the show at the beginning of a segment, like right out of the break, instead of throwing to commercial from this conversation because she doesn't have any time to collect herself before they start taping their conversation with Rodney. And then she very abruptly gets up as Caitlin is introducing Rodney's highlights and walks off. And then Caitlin has to be like, we're going to give Tasha a moment. It's like, okay, so if you had thrown to commercial, then there would be like a little natural break and Tasha could go gather herself 
And it just feels like they wanted that clip of her walking off that they used in the teaser at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it felt kind of gross and just, or just potentially really poorly produced. And I, I just, it's like these people are on the hook. They're never off the hook for giving us that kind of emotion to consume. And it felt really obvious in this moment. And it just made me feel a little nauseous. Yeah. And also I wanted to know more. So I'm like, I didn't even get any good information. Well, that, well, that was the thing. It felt, it felt like it was um, like she needed to divulge that um, emotion for the audience, but it's not even like there was any new information given. So why yeah. are you putting her through that? It's also weird that like you would require this from a host, right? Like were she a com- a competitor still or were she doing something within the actual love finding section? I would understand being like, we need to address this, but you actually don't have to address that at all. You could just not address it and it would be fine because everyone who watches the show has Instagram. Yeah, I think they were trying to like forestall people being like, oh, it's so weird that they didn't address it. <laughs> And so they're like, let's just address it. Um, they are now in this weird space where they 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 make these people famous by showing them finding love. And then they just continue to exist in this ecosystem in different roles. And it's relatively new for them to have to figure out how to handle that because they used to just, you know, go off and do their own thing. Um, but let's talk about Rodney. Um Sweet Rodney. Sweet Rodney. I love him so much. They're like doing their highlight reel. They're like, remember how Rodney kept saying that he was an underdog? Where have you heard that recently? Um, we used that. We used that actually in Clayton's promos. Whoops. <laughs> Our bad. Um, and that like it annoys me so much because I'm like, they can't even be like, wow, Rodney's a fan favorite. Let's make him bachelor. They already like stripped his narrative for parts. And gave the parts to Clayton. It's so fucking annoying. I'm referring, of course, to the promo images in which Clayton is holding puppies and the line says, everyone loves an underdog. But Rodney is truly our underdog and he's looking wobbly. He's looking emotional. He says that he and Michelle had a special moment where she said she would always be team Rodney. And Caitlin says, we all are. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, And then he says that he will always be team Michelle. And she asks if she still has feel, if he still has feelings for Michelle. And he says, he's still rooting for her. He hopes she finds her true love. And she says, we're all rooting for him to be happy as well. She says, we're all hoping you find love maybe on the beaches of Mexico. Again, <laughs> robbed, robbed of being the bachelor. And frankly, I hope that Rodney finds love uh, before he heads to Mexico yeah. just to spare him. Cause Rodney deserves all of the, all of the good things. Stop trying to fob all of our better bachelor picks off on Mexico. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just an embarrassment of riches in paradise at this point. And then we get stuck with Clayton for months on end. It's obvious that Rodney, too, is such a good guy that they would even let him come yeah. up yeah. there right after Tasha's announcement, right? Like, he says something to her where he's like, I'm so sorry. 
And that's when she like really starts breaking down. And I'm like, while it's nice that you put Rodney up here because he's so empathetic, you've also now put someone who's going to genuinely care about her, which makes it worse. Yeah, no, it really was like a shitty position for for Rodney as well, to be honest, um, to have to suddenly be dealing with that. Like, I would just come up and be like, uh, are we yeah. starting? <laughs> like, I don't know. Hey, guys. And he he responded um, more empathetically. But <laughs> why should why should he be put in that weird moment? Um, but we say farewell to Rodney. And then we get a glimpse of some previously unaired scenes from various dates this season. Guys, I was so excited about the Princess K of the Milky Way clip which was honestly something that I had been sort of waiting for them to reference because this is like a huge Minnesota thing. And one of my, like, so I've said this before, my dad's whole side of the family is from Minneapolis. Um, And I used to, I grew up when I was little going to the Minnesota State Fair as a child. Emma, is this where we find out that you're Minnesota's 61st Princess K of the Milky Way? Unfortunately, I am not a Minnesota resident, and I also look nothing like a milkmaid, so I don't know that I really was in the running. Who's to say what a milkmaid looks like? That's true. But I will say that at the Minnesota State Fair, Princess K would be seated um, in a rotating giant freezer while a sculptor live sculpted her out of butter and you could like watch this happening and she had to be in a freezer for that to happen because the butter has to stay cold it's, i guess it's a refrigerator and i guess refrigerator no no no. they're all in the in the fridge together that's my memory also like maybe it's cha- this is my memory of like the 90s <laughs> you know between <laughs> but- this and like that kate upton sports <laughs> illustrated shoot where she got frostbite in antarctica i'm just like i'm so glad that i'm not pretty enough to be asked to be that cold. And that's one of the great <laughs> blessings of my that's life. That's a gift. That's a gift. <laughs> no one's ever like, Claire, take it off. I know it's 30 degrees out, but we want to see that body, you know? And like, that's good because I like to be warm. You're like, I love sweaters. I prefer <laughs> I to have sweaters. many layers on. Uh... <laughs> and so Brenna, Minnesota's 67th Princess K of the Milky Way, hosts part of the dairy farm date in which they all carve butter sculptures, much like the one that was at some point carved of her. Out of 90-pound blocks of butter, that is so much goddamn butter, you guys. That's like 90-pound cakes. That is... And that's for each of them. There are hundreds and hundreds of pound cakes being washed down the drain after this date. (laughs) I was very upset. I loved this state. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's cute. I, I loved love it. When they, I love when they give the the guys a challenge that is like, oh, you know who was really good at carving, at relief carving? Uh, Michelangelo. So you know who might also be good at it? You. <laughs> Try. Just go ahead. <laughs> you Honestly, might be good at it. It's I like, was what? very, very impressed by Nate's ability to actually carve something. I was like, that is impressive. That like, looked, it, like, it was looked visibly a ring. It was I a know. ring, like coming out of a ring box. And there, it was like a perfectly circular A perfect circle ring. that didn't break off. I, I was very impressed. He's got some sort of talent. And then like all the rest of the guys did hearts. 
like all all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe did Poor a heart Olu. with like a basketball design on it. Rodney makes a heart. Olu like gave up and just like carved a heart into the side of a hacked up block of butter. Yeah. He like asked them to carve something that represents their love. And as we've learned from your friend's ex-boyfriend, the really bad move is to try and carve Michelle. Like, because then you just have all of these terrible portraits, these busts that look nothing like her. And so they, they did make the wise decision to try to carve a heart instead, rather than like humiliating Michelle by being like, you look just like this misshapen lump of butter. It, yeah, it looked like Rick maybe attempted to to create a home. Yeah, we didn't get a full review. <laughs> we didn't of see that. the final the final product. I I just think that this was frankly a scene that should have been left in the actual show. It truly but. was like better than some of the stuff we did see from that episode. <laughs> exactly. And Nate being like, I don't know what happened with Olu's. It looks like he was stabbing it. Was he angry at the butter? I was like... Olu looked like he was almost in tears watching this commentary. I think that <laughs> like, Nate... laughing so hard. Hire Nate, New York Mag, you know, the new Jerry Salts up and coming. Like, I think that I need his opinions on art more in my life. Um, and Olu's like, yeah, I'm not a good artist, but you saw the initials, right? M and O. That's what matters. They're like, yeah, like, yeah, we did. You know what letters both of your names start with. So that's what that's what love's about. And then we get some more scenes of the room raids. Apparently, Will is a sneakerhead. His real name is actually Willie, I guess. They like look at his ID. That scene when he gets served, they're like they call him the guy calls him Willie Joel Urena. And I sort of thought that was like a rude, a rude little no i think his name I, actually i think that's his name is yeah yeah um so we see jamari bench pressing caitlin he's very strong we see spence's room which is apparently the dirtiest for example there is a pair of basketball shorts on the floor if these women saw a hotel room after i had gotten ready for one wedding and not even slept in the room yet they would faint dead away like there would be a dirty item of clothing on, like, every single inch of that floor. It's a hotel room. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, maintain it like it's my home. <laughs> like Exactly. I'm like, I live by the rule of if you're in a hotel, tidiness doesn't count. Because you're just going to throw it all back in your suitcase in two days exactly. and take it somewhere else. Like, who cares? Exactly. I was like, stop mess shaming hotel rooms. It is a specific setting. <laughs> They criticized them, one of them, for not putting his clothes away, right? Like, they pulled out the little dressers, and they were like, he didn't put his clothes away. Like, you people are constantly making these contestants get on airplanes and go other places. Yeah, Why they have to you pack their bags, away? <laughs> repack their bags, like, every day. If you're civilized, you unpack your bag completely after each rose ceremony, and then you repack it completely before each time you go on a date or to a row ceremony or see Michelle because at any point you could just be sent home and they'll send your stuff after you. <laughs> so they that's all they do all day is unpack and repack their clothes. Um, we see a couple scenes from the basketball date, including Rodney hitting a weird bounce pass trick shot and the crowd goes wild. This is like Rodney's big Hoosiers moment, you know, like Rodney's living that, that, that dream at this moment and i love getting to see that i wish we had seen that in the episode 
But then back in the auditorium, a man starts shrieking, we love you, Rodney, over and over while stripping naked and then running around. Again, no, not another skit. I hate this. Stop. And then Tasha is like, thank you, security. Like, this wasn't completely staged. Like, this was, like, the least organic <sighs> feeling interruption. Yeah, this was much worse than, like, the Connor kiss thing. Even worse than the Connor kiss thing, which was pretty staged. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm also like, you couldn't get one of these other guys that was a contestant to do it. Like, if you're going to stage a skit, at least (laughs) get someone else that was on the show to strip down and run around the audience. Like, that would be kind of funny. Why this random person I've never seen before? They love having someone in the crowd suddenly be part of the show. Like, it's like you're at, like, dinner theater or something, you know? And it's like, what? That person next to me is part of the show. Like, I feel like The Bachelor live producers just love that for some reason. Um, meanwhile, someone's been notably absent tonight. Clayton, what's he up to? Time for a sneak peek of his season. But first, what could be better than an opportunity for the men who know him best, some people who lived with him for a couple of weeks on The Bachelorette, to really sell America on Clayton since we're not super convinced. They're like, they're like, look, these, these guys liked him. Look, yeah. right, guys? Right, yeah. guys? There's a gun to your head. How much... How much do you love Clayton? Yeah. And I mean, look, it seems like he did get along with most everyone. He was nice. Romeo says he was a calming presence. I believe that. And I'm like, nothing any of you people can say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, nothing any of you can say can convince me that this was not, like, a terrible choice well, and also that he's deeply boring. Here's the thing. I'm not excited about Clayton. He's bored me so far. Not expecting a lot more. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him either. Right. They all seem to actually like him a lot. He has a lot of friends in the house. That doesn't surprise me. I think that was clear from watching the season. He seems like a nice guy. They're all happy for him. That's great. But that, like, doesn't actually address the critiques that have been levied at the franchise for making this decision. And so it's annoying to feel like they're trying to be like... Well, you think Rodney would be a great bachelor. Well, Rodney loves Clayton, and Rodney really wants Clayton to be. Right, the you're bachelor. like the problem isn't that we hate Clayton. The problem is that this franchise is racist. Yeah. So maybe it's not Clayton's fault. Like yeah. it's the franchise's fault. Yeah. Why don't these guys all come out and defend you guys as not being racist next time? And then we'll <laughs> like definitely have more to talk about. Um, and so we get our little sneak peek. So many blonde women making out with Clayton. So many blonde women weeping. He loves three of them. He's He's, in love. He's in love with three of them. And he makes a public announcement at one of the rose ceremonies. I'm so sorry. I was intimate with both of you. (laughs) Like, what in fresh, what the absolute fuck is happening? How the hell does this come up? Like, first of all, there is a fantasy suite week and they all know that they can get intimate with with all of them why does he need to make an announcement about this also why does he saying both of you by the time it's down to two people they shouldn't be together in a rose ceremony setting so like what the fuck is going on i literally felt like i was losing my mind when i watched this i stopped and i like went online and i was like fantasy suite dates because i was like i swear to god that they're boning in the fantasy suite that's like the whole point so i was like if there are two of them standing there they should have been to the fantasy like i just can't i don't 
And then the women are like, I've never felt pain. I mean, obviously, this is all chopped together. We don't know what it's regarding. But, like, it's so weird to have that announcement and then to have clips of women walking off sobbing and being like, I've never felt pain like this before. And it's like, him being intimate with multiple people is, like, built into the concept of the show. So, like, I do feel like you maybe should have embraced for that a little bit. Like, put up a little, like, armor for yourself for this. And then one of them says, he's in love with all three of us. So he, what, he told all of them? Like, what the hell is happening? They're like, they're, they were clearly terrified the season would be boring. Yeah. So they're going to force him to make a series of very uh, upsetting, like, public announcements. Yeah. I, every single season, the whole, whole narrative from the host is, I didn't know it was going to be this hard, in a version of, I'm in love with three of them. Sometimes so I'm it's like, just two, you, even, you know, sometimes it's just But even two. if it's two, the <laughs> argument of the show is that you can be in love with more than one person at a time by accident. So I'm like, how do you even sign up for this show thinking that's not a possibility? No one ever thinks it's a possibility for them. And like, and I, I honestly just think it's a, it's a narrative thing to some extent. I think probably a lot of them kind of feel that way it's just a question of like is it going to be like the big dramatic twist of this season that he's in love with two people or is there enough other stuff going on that we don't need to like make a lot of hay out of that and now they're like fully iterating like razor blade level style where they're like you've heard of being in love with two women and making them both cry at the finale but now there's three women that he's in love with and he's making them cry at the finale and it's like just adding another one is not quite the innovation that's like the game changer that you seem to think. <laughs> but you know, uh, we I haven't guess seen we'll it just, yet. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and finally, blessedly, we we get to pivot from Clayton to Michelle, who comes out looking absolutely stunning in a gold velvet turtleneck mini dress. I'm obsessed. This whole look. Her fashion continues to be fantastic. And basically, she just sits down, and she and some of her faves exchange compliments for a little while. Um, she's, she and Rodney have such a sweet dynamic. She and Rick yeah, have a sweet dynamic. And you can just feel the affection there, and it's really nice to see. And then it's time for Tasha to ask Jamie if there's anything he would like to say to Michelle. And he says... I would say, I think the number one thing that stuck out is this is a person I could take on life's scariest challenges and we could just laugh our way through it. Also, how authentic we were, uh, how you were, and how you care- connected and cared about people. The coaching aspect and how you're always trying to build people up. Those are things I like to do in my life and it really brought that out of me more. I'd just like to really applaud you for just being fabulous across the board because it was definitely a joy to get to know you. And while he's saying this, Michelle... And the two co-hosts are staring at him in, like, unmoving, flinty-eyed silence. Like, Jamie, you did not understand the assignment. (laughs) Like, we're not queuing you up Rodney-style to be like, isn't Michelle amazing? (laughs) Like, that's not the nature of your relationship with her. And Michelle's face is just like, what the fuck? What do you think is happening here? (laughs) It's truly incredible how he just, like, refuses to acknowledge at this point that what he's supposed to do is apologize he's just like yeah just like rick i just thought you were really great you know and i love i loved our relationship that we had which ended with you being like i don't trust you and sending me home and michelle says 
we did talk about that coaching, but for me, that means you're lifting people up even when you're not a, when they're not around. I hear what you're saying about how I carried myself and how you respect me, but I watch back and I see what you're saying on camera about me going through spring break mode, how the guys in the house were b- below you. That's not what a coach does. I don't understand how you can be so quick to preach positivity when that's not what you're showcasing 100% of the time. I'm not seeing any responsibility. And Jamie, still smiling and looking pretty chill, says, well, if anybody feels hurt for the words coming out of my mouth, that's something I apologize for. And Michelle splurts out, no, no, (laughs) wrong answer. (laughs) Um, He's basically just like, I had to vent, you know, that's part of like coming to terms with how you feel. And like, I was feeling a lot of emotional extremes. I had to just get it out there and vent. And I took a lot of care not to talk badly about people. I didn't talk badly about people to their faces. I just, on television, while I'm being filmed, had to vent about the fact that I thought you were a big slut. Like, sorry. <laughs> I was just venting about how you were being a slut. And, yeah, so Michelle says, in front of their face, you took care. And he's like, no, that's not even accurate. It's just that one clip. And it's like, okay, so it is accurate. If you did it once, even if it's just this one time, which I don't believe, then... You can no longer claim I didn't talk badly about people on the show when they weren't around. It only takes one time to make it an accurate statement to say that you didn't take care to never talk badly about the guys. And I enjoyed here that it's it's so clear to Michelle so quickly how little Jamie gets it and how little it matters at this point what he says. And so she just interrupts and is like, I'm going to end this conversation. And we have a clip of what she has to say. And I think it's a real mic drop moment. I will close this conversation because I think that it's very clear. It is frustrating to sit here and truly not feel that you have learned from those comments and those things that you have said because your apologies are apologizing because you have to if somebody feels hurt. You're putting it on them like it's at, they're at fault for what you said. I believe in being respectful at all times, whether that's in your friendships, whether that's to your family members, whether that's in your intimate relationships. A relationship is never going to survive if you base it on having to do that and then just always having to backtrack because words do hurt. And respect is a huge thing. And I choose to either be by myself or be with somebody who respects me even when they are upset with me or whatever is going on in the world. And for that, I think it's very clear of why this relationship didn't work out. We too applaud Michelle. Really nailed that. And then Jamie is like, oh, okay, I'm going to try one more time because I believe in accountability. I apologize. You felt disrespected. And the men felt disrespected, and I apologize. I was wrong. And, like, they all, like, applaud, and Michelle's like, thank you. But, like, she still looks annoyed. And I want to say, I still feel like he did exactly what she was saying, which is, he's like, I apologize because you felt disrespected. Which is still basically not identifying the thing that he did wrong. It's still identifying the feeling that they had in reaction to it as being the problem. Right. At this point, it's like there's nowhere for Jamie to go from here. Jamie sucks. It is what it is. Hey, Jamie. Probably no one should date him because he seems like <laughs> low-key 
emotionally manipulative and kind of terrifying in his demeanor. Take caution. And uh, yeah, another one I hope to never see again on our TV screens. Tasha then opens the floor. PJ thanks her for taking the opportunity to talk about her experience being a black girl growing up in a white neighborhood, predominantly white neighborhood. And he says he really appreciates that she did that. And then on a more sour note, Martin decides he wants to have his little chat with Michelle about all of their misunderstandings and their miscommunications. Which is funny because I actually think that like things ended between them because they finally communicated clearly enough to each other for her to understand that he's like a raging sexist and for him to understand that she is not like the cool girl who is going to like be flattered by his misogyny. So it was actually a success of communication in a way. And Michelle says to Martin, as you left, he apologizes for how things ended. And she says, well, as you left in the limo, you talked about how someone like me doesn't deserve to be with someone like you. And my question to you is, why did you feel it was okay to belittle me? And he says that he's sorry. I don't always express myself to the best of my abilities. That seemed like pretty well articulated. No, actually, buddy, I think you were pretty clear. I think we all got it. The message was was very simple. Yeah. Also, you're sitting among a lot of guys who were all filmed the same amount as you. Like, this is the thing that kills me with Jamie and Martin. It's just like you said something terrible and no one else did. (laughs) So, like, that should be that some kind of alarm should be going off in your head of like I was rude and mean since there aren't clips of alarms have all been disconnected. It's like when Peter's like, how could Will? think that I'm a narcissist when he only knew me for 24 hours. And I'm like, Peter, what are you maybe doing that causes people to find you so impossible to be around after only 24 hours? Like, should that, like, cause you to be alarmed at all? Like, maybe. Maybe you should think about that. But these men are lacking that. And then Martin says, well, through this process, I found my soulmate. And I treat her like a queen. And Michelle, you helped me with that. And uh, I think we have a clip of what Michelle says. It is important to lift women up because we are not lifted up. Of course. And you have to truly understand what that means to treat a woman like a queen. It's listening to her when she's vulnerable and embracing what she's been through instead of calling her immature and pointing at trauma being immature because those words really do hit deep, not only for me, but so many other women. So that's why I'm here as a man apologizing for what I said in that very moment. I'm not saying that it was okay. I'm just I'm apologizing for it. The underlying dripping disdain that you can hear in his, like he is just so annoyed that she would deign to express any other feelings about what he said and how it might have impacted people. He's like, but I said sorry. Like, what else do you want from me, you bitch? Yeah. He's so annoyed that she did not immediately just accept his apology. Like, he clearly feels like he, like, kind of got out ahead of things by apologizing. And he shouldn't have to hear anything further from her on the topic. Except thank you. I'm just so happy for him that he got his phone back and now he can be in a real relationship. <laughs> you know, that that really, I'm glad that that happened for him. Well, the thing is... um, Luckily, Michelle sacrificed 
as a stepping stone for Martin because now he has found his soulmate after he got his phone back. Uh, his and cell phone? He treats her as a queen. Because he... Because she's not high maintenance. She's not so high that's maintenance, what he's learned. Like, <laughs> he's like, through the process of really deciding you weren't good enough for me and then also getting my phone back, I was able to enter the stable and respectful partnership that I had always dreamed of. And she's like, I accept your apology. Like, she just is constantly having to accept apologies from guys that she clearly still thinks are, like, dirt. But, like, what would people think if Michelle was, like, in any way not the 50 times bigger person in any of these scenarios? And then Chris says he apologizes for speaking over her and taking her voice. And uh, she thanks him. She actually doesn't seem as mad at him as some of the other guys. I wonder if that will change after she sees some of the other shit from this episode. I know. She she was not aware of uh, Rick's claim at this point. But it seems like maybe she and Chris just had, like, a better rapport or what he did annoyed her but didn't wound her in the same way. I think that they had, like, a good rapport before he went home. And also, yeah, because she wasn't genuinely going to pick him. Like, maybe she was with Martin or Jamie. There there wasn't the capacity to be as betrayed. Right. When he but he also was the only one who, when confronted, said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And that was it. Right? Yeah. Like, he didn't have an excuse. He didn't. Right. It's much easier he, he to say, like, He refused to cop to the guys, but he did. He did just get ahead of it with Michelle and just apologize. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Blessedly. identified the thing that she had told him he did wrong and just reiterated that. Yeah. Um, and that is something that Martin and Jamie both struggled Proved with. incapable yeah. of. And then Caitlin asks if there's anyone that she felt she sent home early. And Michelle says, Olu. Um, we had so many wonderful conversations. And I felt very connected with you when you were able to show emotion with me during that conversation about feeling unseen dating as a black woman or girl. And she wished they had more time. And he says that she taught him how to go above and beyond for a woman by doing things like showing emotion, which is just a chilling insight into how men experience dating. <laughs> but uh, Olu's lovely, like, and I hope this is truly a stepping a stone for, for him. him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Olu. But yeah, what a, a true indictment of the way we raise boys. Yeah. And we close with a moment yet again for Peter to promote his business. Oh, He's yeah. like... This special would not be complete without some genuine pizza guy pizza. Again, (coughs) no retaining of the name of this pizza place. I just know that Peter has a pizza place and he's a pizza guy. Uh, And apparently the pizza is, this seems decent. Everyone gets a slice and this ultimately finally allows Will and Peter to come together this, and squash their this beef. Made me, this made me lose <laughs> lose it fully. So he brings the pizza. He's like, I flew in pizza for everyone. He He's he's like, slice appetite, everybody. Which, like, that doesn't fucking mean anything, Peter. Like, I, I can't imagine dealing with his little catchphrases for more than the space of a two-hour special. And then they ask Will, what do you think of the pizza? And he's like, reluctantly, like, it's not as bad as the one I had before. And then Peter says, do you want to shake and, like, be bygones, like, bury the hatchet? And then they do. And I'm like, 
I now feel like their whole feud was staged. Like, this is not how you end a feud like that. Like, this is, this doesn't, something's not adding up to me. There are so many, like, staged little skit elements to their feud. And now it's all being resolved by by Will being like, actually, your pizza's delicious. And so maybe we can be friends. And also, everyone buy Peter's pizza. Like, yeah, no, they, they showed up ready to, like, yell at each other and then be done with it. Yeah. They're not actually that angry, obviously. It feels to me, I mean, I had the same reaction when they brought the pizzas out. I was like, oh, so this whole thing was fake. Like, <laughs> all of this was fake. And maybe that's not true, but I do think it's to Michelle's credit that it feels that way because, like, the biggest feud they had to play with was between two guys because she was so good at, like, setting boundaries and being like, I'm not dealing with any of this shit that, like, without it, what do you? what is this special? Without those three skits... This special is just a lot of people saying, you know, I'm really sorry. And then the other person saying, I accept. And then (laughs) us complimenting each other, which is like, that is nice, I guess. But it's not two hours. It's true. There is a lot of complimenting between Michelle and her men and also deleted scenes. So like a little light on drama compared to past seasons. And we close with like a quick sneak peek of fantasy suites and can't wait for us to to really experience the end of Michelle's of Michelle's journey. I, I love her final three. I just want them all to win and live together. That's how I feel at the end of every season for some reason. Even if like then I look back and I'm like, I liked those guys. I don't know. It's like Stockholm syndrome. I'm captive. I'm like, let's bring We've come this far. We got we we want them to stick the landing. Um, yeah, and yeah, it looks like we're in for a juicy overnights episode, and then a live three hour finale because they hate us, I guess. But I am I am excited for Michelle. I do love everyone who's left, and I hope that I hope that she gets her happy ending. Yeah, Kelsey, thank you so, so much for joining us for this recap. Uh, It was such a delight. Thank you both for having me. I had a blast. And now it's time for Love to See It, Hate to See It. First up, Love to See It. Yeah, let's start with Romeo accurately diagnosing the trifecta of misogyny in Martin's like initial bad conversation with Michelle, including saying that Michelle isn't like other girls, which I think a lot of a lot of people don't really understand how sexist it is to to use that as a compliment. I truly was just swooning, absolutely swooning. We also love to see Rick so lovingly describing Michelle. Uh, And accurately, I think, as someone who listens to people in order to understand them. And I just thought that that was such a sweet insight. And it was clear that Michelle really went out of her way to form some real relationships and connections with these guys, even the ones that she perhaps wasn't the most into. Yeah, he says she listens to understand and not to respond and like... I am definitely someone who listens to respond, and I felt I felt uh, deeply attacked by this, but um, it was also beautiful. All the love that we saw, really, between Michelle and her 
cast. Like sometimes there is a fair amount of antagonism by men or women tell all. And it was beautiful to see the good relationships that she had with most of the guys, even the ones that she clearly kind of hates now, um, knew they had to be polite and, and kind to her and that she was not someone to disrespect. We also love the pizza review drama. I mean, look, we love a conflict that brings receipts and we are happy to see the Bachelor franchise embracing a Bravo classic. Yes. Bring in the outside text, bring in the headlines. We want to dissect it all. Uh, We also love to see deleted scenes. Um, I feel like we missed out on a lot of great butter sculpting dates this season, and I'm glad that we we finally got to check in on Miss Butter Ambassador Minnesota. It (laughs) It was a lot of fun. More fun than some guys inarticulately screaming at each other. I would agree. And now it's time for Hate to See It. First, Jamie's just complete obfuscation of everything that was levied against him. He consistently gave all of these bizarre two and three layered answers. He never actually addressed any of the charges. And he seemed completely incapable of really taking any responsibility. And it was, frankly, kind of disturbing to see this kind of emotional manipulation and dancing around the truth um, in action. Yeah, also hated to see Martin still insisting that his awful comments about women were a compliment to Michelle. Like, that's the problem, man. Like, that's that's the problem. Oh, fucking he Martin. hasn't learned. Speaking of Martin, we also hated to see that he claimed he couldn't have had a girlfriend on the show because he didn't have access to his iPhone. Yeah, it's Schrodinger's relationship. It only exists <laughs> when they're in textual communication and they just weren't. So how can you prove anything? Uh, not how it works, buddy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we hate to see Chris's refusal to apologize to Olu and... For that matter, like, I I don't think we saw this previously on the show. So I'm going to also say Chris initially on the show saying that Olu has a small IQ, which... Gross. Gross. We also hate to see Jamie's terrible apology, which only comes after he has been, like, coached and queued up and had it all laid out for him by Michelle. And he still can't really deliver it properly. We also hate to see both of the very staged, weird, gimmicky skits that we have during this special. Peter's fake lawsuit, the freaking streaker that's apparently a tribute to Rodney. Please, for the love of all things holy, stop this madness. I just, I hated to see how scripted a lot of this felt, like more so than usual, and that that did great on me a lot. Uh, also hate to see another Clayton teaser. Like, I don't really want to know anything about the season yet. I'm not ready. And I definitely don't want to see Clayton telling two women that he was intimate with them at a rose ceremony. And I very much don't want to see all the other guys from the season being prodded to sell all of us on his season because we're not sold. Like, I'm sorry, we're not sold. 
And now it's time for our sportsiness rating. Look, we we would have expected this one to be low. Um, We're going to give this one a three because we did get an extended basketball outtake scene. And so on an episode that really could have been nearly a zero basketballs, that bumps us up to three. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Kelsey McKinney. Make sure to check out her upcoming new podcast, Normal Gossip. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. We might even feature you in an upcoming mailbag. You can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter on Substack at ClaireandEmma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week to recap Fantasy Suites. Can you keep up? I like love it. Stitcher. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.